right? All right. We're going to argue on this one? No. Oh. Um, hi. I'm Kim Duke, and I'm married to an addict alcoholic. Hi, Kim. Uh, my name is Chris, and I am an addict alcoholic. Hi, Chris. I don't know what to talk about. Um... The last week has just been, I don't know, the last couple of weeks yeah. have been very stressful. Yeah. Like the other day tough. it got to the point where I'm like, I think I'm just going to go get some alcohol and like some little shooters and just drink. Like my depression and anxiety were just out of control. Yeah. But I didn't. I just took a bath and cried. <laughs> well, I used other coping skills. It's a, Crying's a coping skill. <laughs> no, it just sounded funny in that. Oh. In that order, yeah. I just took well, I was crying in cried. the I was crying in the tub. You get how in the can tub? you tell if those tears are tears or if it's just bath water? I'm not splashing my dirty bath water on my face. You don't splash in the bath. No, I probably could have used that as a coping skill, but <laughs> no, yeah. So that was last week has been real. It's like mental health wise hasn't been good. Yeah. Um, I had a conversation with my sister in law, like. Is this going to be like a forever thing? Like the sobriety thing? And that's the first time mm. someone's asked me that question. Yeah. And do you think yours is going to be like, this, is this like forever? They asked if mine was going to well, be? Well, like ours. Yeah. Well, yeah, mine is going to be a forever yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, and I think people like, especially like people's idea of sobriety is like, I feel like a lot of people think, okay, you go to treatment, you get sober, you realize why you're drinking. Once you realized why you're drinking, then you can drink again. Uh, yeah. I feel like people, and it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I met people who that happened. Like there was a guy that was sober for like nine years and he was like, you know what? Uh, things seem different. I think, I think I can handle it. And he said it went right back to where he was before. Interesting. So... Yeah. Even if I'm like at a better place mentally down the road, I mean, I'm a, at a better place mentally now, but like that doesn't mean that my brain won't activate the, the exact same spot and yeah. just go right back to where yeah. I was before. So for me, it's, yeah, it has to be it for everything. Otherwise, yeah. I'll get sick all over again. Yeah. For you, though, I think it's just in the realm of you can't use it as a coping skill because. But I, that's what I did use it for a lot. Yeah. So I'm saying for you, if some random night hits you right and you have a glass of wine with somebody, it's not going to be the same as like the way that like it had to be a, it had to be every single night and every single day X amount type of deal. Yeah. I don't need to do a line of cocaine either. Like I'm. It's not the same though. Cause you think about like, I got you to drink a lot. Yeah. It wasn't like if you like even when when we had or I had my drinking under control, the number of times that you were choosing to drink was far, far less in general. Mm -hmm. Like it was it was only for occasions. It was never just like getting drunk just to get drunk. Yeah. So I I think if it did end up changing for you in the future it would be the exact same thing where you'd be like, I just don't feel like it. Yeah. And now I, I just don't feel like it. Yeah. Like I just don't have that desire anymore. And it kind of like actually feels like a huge weight off my shoulders. Yeah. Like 
I can just tell people I don't want to drink. Yeah. And I think, and I'm not using you as an excuse because you, but people know you went to treatment, so then they don't push it on me. So when I'm like, I just don't want to drink, they're like, oh, I get it because, you know. I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to frame it in a way to make sure that it's never. Because of you. Well, not just that, but like, if you do end up drinking, I don't want you to feel guilty. Oh, I'll feel guilty. Oh yeah. It doesn't matter. Even when I would drink, when you were drinking, I, when I would drink, I'd feel guilty. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I just, I've never, I, like it goes back to when, like I first drank when I was in high school and I didn't like it because it was like a lot of peer pressure to drink and then when i was hanging out with the friends that would drink it was a lot of like we're all drinking you need to drink like kind of a thing where it was always this pressure around it and i didn't like the only feeling i liked from being drunk is that i could talk like i was more outgoing and i wasn't as shy that's the only thing i liked about it i didn't like the feeling of being intoxicated and the next day anxieties like i hated that feeling i hated feeling hungover so it's, I just need to learn to be outgoing, like work on my shyness and being outgoing. And then that substance that would make me feel like that, I don't need that. But I would, oh yeah, every time I would drink any situation, I'd always feel like crap or guilty the next day. I didn't like it. Mm. So yeah, that might just be, yeah. And that's another thing. So my, yeah, my own, my only thing was I, I never wanted you to feel bad if you, Yeah. And oh. maybe it was because I didn't want you to think that like you, you have to be careful around me or something like that. Oh. Uh, no, I just don't like it. And yeah, and that's a totally different thing. Yeah. And I've I've had people tell me that too that they like they've never really enjoyed it, and yeah. they only kind of did it because everybody else was doing it or because their partner was doing it. So yeah, yeah. There's some people that's just not their bag, and yeah. they just end up stopping anyways so that could have happened organically at some point for you anyways yeah yeah but we've both hit over seven months so that's a huge milestone i feel like i'm all i post about is our our podcast now so i don't want people to think that all i do is talk about podcasts and talk about sobriety so i haven't been posting like any other like milestones or anything because i just like so when when you brought up that it was it had been seven months or 200 days i hadn't even thought of it yeah and that's huge 200 days that's a long time yeah yeah so it's something to be proud of have you had any like cravings or anything like that Mm, not necessarily cravings but just like the feeling of like, and I don't know, because they're, they're like fleeting. So little miniature, just because I've had a rough week. Yeah. So it's been like, um, just a lot of like mental health things have changed in the way that I understand why I struggled so much as a kid. Yeah. Do you want to talk that about that on here? Because not everyone listens to the other podcast. Sure. Talked about yeah. So like, we talked about this before. Where the, the psychiatrist in the hospital wanted you to be sober for six months to determine if you may have some possible diagnoses. So. Yeah. And it it so they had talked about how I showed what was it cluster B traits or um, um rule out bipolar two disorder. 
uh, and they had mentioned potential potential that I was uh, like had I was hypomanic. Yeah, hypomanic. Mm-hmm. And not that I show a, a lot of traits of it. They're not always super apparent. There's some things that are that like are pretty classic as far as th- that diagnosis goes. But it wasn't until yeah I heard um, this comic talk about how he considers himself um, a clairvoyant or what is known as a, a Haruka empath, which is like a like a I don't know like a different term for being clairvoyant it means that you're more in tune with other people's feelings and spiritual realm and and things of that nature and the reason why he think thinks that he is this haruka empath thing is because he uh has bipolar disorder and so when i heard him say that all of these things started to click as to like this paranormal life that I seemed to have lived for so long. Um, even after, you know, coming to being like labeling myself as an atheist, like there was always something in the back of my mind that was like, yeah, but you do kind of have this, um, supernatural ability to do these certain things. So I'd always, especially when I was younger, like thought that I had some like type of supernatural power to be able to, connect with people, communicate with otherworldly things. And so when I heard this guy say that, uh, it made me go, oh, that's, that's what all of this was when I was growing up. It's not that I actually had some kind of superpower. It was just a symptom of my circumstance. And because I didn't have anybody that was able to help me along like my mental health journey it made that experience 10 times more difficult so it made me like delusional and because nobody believed me it that's kind of what I think sparred on the majority of my anxiety attacks was the fact that I was like how come nobody believes this deep fucking feeling that I have and really it was just like people people who are bipolar I think do um feel things on like a more passionate level Mm. and there's a lot of um ultimatum kind of kind of thinking or um not ultimatum but uh what's another kind of all or nothing thinking yeah all or nothing thinking yeah Mm -hmm. exactly so um when it comes to girlfriends that I would have I would say I love you you're the one for me and then I would sabotage it when I saw this other like well it's a lot of romanticizing like the way that things happen in movies where it's like and then I met my soulmate and then I met my soulmate again and so I like I would do a lot of these things that it's like so within like a 20 minute period I had just this massive rush of all of these things clicking and realizing what was actually happening um so i mean obviously i'd have to make an appointment with somebody to go over these things and and get a formal diagnosis yeah declare anything formally but it makes me feel better in one way but because it's been like i said even in the back of my mind for you know 
30 some odd years um it's a part of me that like it was the only part of me that still had like um uh yeah like spiritual belief um was just that that there was this or yeah supernatural like i said before like the only the only form of supernatural belief that i had was that i was like well maybe there is because i have like i had a dream that a girlfriend had, when i was younger um it was like a freshman in high school i had a dream that a girl broke up with me and i went to the library and had this rush of like deja vu and then i saw my girlfriend walking towards me and i said oh you're gonna break up with me and she was like yeah how'd you know i had a dream about it last night and it's like really though that's just like i said before not a very good boyfriend so it was a coincidence like or it could have been me in the back of my mind, like, because I felt bad about being a shit boyfriend that I had a dream about it. Like, there's all of these, like, mm. scientific explanations. And that's the, the, I've said it before, like, the kind of life that I prefer. I don't want to live in a world where there's supernatural shit because the world for my kids is already scary enough. Like, the conditions that I have are bad enough to think that there's, like, angels and demons and all that shit, like paranormal stuff just makes life that much scarier and i'm already scared mm -hmm. enough i listened to the real story behind anna lee's she was the girl that the emily rose the exorcism that emily rose is oh, based geez. on so i was listening to that real story when i was mowing the lawn today so talk about demons that's a scary story yeah yeah well and that's the thing it, it made me think like um how much is understood about that disorder now versus back in the day. And I think about the anxiety attacks that I would have. And sometimes I would have like delusions or yeah, delusion would get delusional. Okay. Like I wonder if historically speaking, these people were pushed to the breaking point time and time again, and it would seem like they needed an exorcism or it would seem like they had to have a lobotomy because they're just, they're saying things that are absolutely insane. Mm hmm. And when it comes to like mediums and clairvoyance and stuff like that, maybe that's really like the majority. If they're not a charlatan or like trying to con people, it's just that they they just think that they have this ability. I don't know. Yeah. And it's really more about their. When you found out about that and you were at work and you were telling me you're having a really bad day that got really anxious. Oh, I'm sure. And that's why I reached out to Alex because I'm like, oh, God, I hope he doesn't go use. I guess I wasn't nervous about the use thing like you using. I was more nervous about like you maybe potentially harming yourself. Sure. So. Yeah, it was but just But then in my lot. head, I'm like, maybe, you know, with a sober mind, would he actually do something to harm himself? Mm. So it caused me a great amount of anxiety as well. I mean, it's, it, this is all still very new. We're under a year still. Yeah. So, I mean, this, everything is. Like it, we barely, we got past the half of a year mark. Yeah. Yeah. With each thing that I learn, um, cause I know in the past it, there were things that I would learn and I would use them as excuses for behaviors and things. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And now it's more in the sense of like when when I'm feeling strongly about something, can I then go, okay, remember, you're prone to these really like all or nothing types of things. So let's not throw all of our eggs into one basket, either emotionally, financially, whatever the thing may be, um, because you don't know how you're going to feel two hours from now. Mm-hmm. And so everything that I've been learning now, um, so when I sound like I'm excited about figuring something out, it's not in the sense that like, so that it's now an excuse for this other shit. Yeah. It's in the way that I want to be able to, yeah, have these tools at my disposal to be able to, to hopefully learn more about it and then deal with it better moving forward. Yeah. I think too scientific, like with the scientific explanations, like you needed that in treatment to have that aha moment. And maybe this will be another like, okay, this is scientifically, this is why I think this way to try and like re almost like re it's like, it's like CBT, CBT. Oh, hold on. Cognitive behavioral therapy. So you're rewiring your brain almost. Oh, sure. Yeah, I think it's just, it's hard to like really dissect it and and make it applicable right now because it's still, there's still a lot I don't know about. Mm -hmm. I mean, mental health in general. There's like things that I intuitively have been able to figure out. And I think, so here's another thing that like, so there are, there are are negative things that I can look back on in life and be like, that's why I had these really bad experiences is because of these things. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, though, because of that, there, I think there's always a silver lining to any disorder. And for me, I have a lack of filter and boundaries I I don't know how else to say, but like, I'm not very good with like boundaries. Yeah. So I like learned how to, and obviously a lot of trial and error, but like find people's um, limits and what they're comfortable with and ways to break their walls down. So I became more intuitive in that way to like reading body language, reading, um, some, the way someone's inflection, even the look in their eyes, like I learned a ton about people and I'm really good at personal communication and, uh, I think even building friendships, like I'm, yeah. I, I'm able to do it with pretty much anybody. And I think you used it a lot too when you were doing, uh, journalism. And oh, interviews. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because some of the things I would sit and hear you talk about, I'm like, oh my gosh, how is he like asking these questions and people would love it. They like really would feed off of it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I never in my right mind would ever have asked or did that or whatever. But you just knew. And that drove me crazy. Because <laughs> I... Because yeah. Well, and I, I, like I was telling Alex, like, um, I, when I, the, like thinking it was like a supernatural thing. Um really if i were to like objectively break it down it's not that it was anything supernatural it's a combination of sincerity and um knocking people off balance like conversationally yeah so because 
they can, for the most part, this is most situations, they can tell that I'm well-intentioned and I'm saying some out-of-left-field shit, and so it drops their walls down, and then we're able to connect faster. And so I get keep people to feel more comfortable in a faster fashion because of the, the way that I would, would do these things. So now I know it's because I, I lack the awareness of those boundaries. There's a lot of assuming that would happen in, in that regard. Yeah. And so I'm, I hope that it makes me think a little bit more to make sure that those instances, like I was talking about where it didn't pan out to, uh, uh, lessen that gap more and more so that there's other ways that I can try and read, like I was saying, like body language and, 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 uh, kind of, there's people that you chip away at slowly. And then there's others that you can be like a little more abrasive Mm -hmm. with and things like that. So I hope that with what I'm finding out, I'm, that I can discern that stuff and be a little more trepidatious in the, the verbiage that I use around certain people. Yeah. Cause I can't assume that everyone's going to know I'm well-intentioned for some people. It takes a little more time yeah. uh, to make sure that they feel safe enough to, to say whatever they need to say. Yeah. How do I word this? When I say things, there's an answer that I want to hear. And I think that when I pose a question in a certain way, I'm going to get the answer that I want. Oh, interesting. Right? Yeah. Um, And I think that has started to make more sense too. Because especially in some of the guests that we've had on, like I think things are going to go a certain way because I have this intuitive thing that like allows me to be able to do that. But really it's just like more like, wishful thinking out loud it goes back to that well-intentioned thing if i'm well-intentioned and i say it in the right way then i'll get this thing back Mm -hmm. from them and that's not always the case so sometimes i have to yeah there's just a lot of work that i gotta do and that's okay yeah i got a lot of time sobriety is all about doing the work and learning hopefully will make more sense of addiction as well. Like why you became addicted or what, like how they correlate with each other. Like, like that. I don't know. Cause I don't know that people with like certain types of mental health issues are more prone to addiction no. or anything like that. But I think in more of the excuses that I would use okay. for me personally, the way okay. that I would do those things. Um, like when I would say like, wouldn't it be funny if it, it's that whole well-intentioned thing. So like, because I, even though I was doing it to myself, like because the, the act seems harmless, if I pose it in this way, then it's okay to do. And people will accept that I'm drunk because I'm this type of person. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. So I think that hopefully that helps in the, relapse defense is knowing this about me now is okay if i if for some reason i start to make excuses for why it's okay i need to start looking at what about my surroundings is making me think that that's going to be an okay thing to do what what about my lifestyle makes me think that i'm safe for some reason 
Mm-hmm. And I'm able to have one drink or whatever. And maybe it's good that you saw that person that was sober for nine years and they're like, nope, nope. Yeah, but relapse in there looked like it happened to everybody, every single kind of lifestyle. Yeah. So it didn't matter who or what your circumstance was. It was, it can happen to anybody. So when I was in there, it didn't. Yeah. He, yeah. He was just a, an individual that like luckily a solid human being mm-hmm. and uh he had a really good support system and and people kind of came in a in a hurry to make sure that he got back to where he was before so that he could be safe again did he did he do treatment before then when he came became sober yeah okay same treatment facility i can't remember if it was at the same one or not Okay. I feel like it might have been. I think he might have even asked for the same wing. So I think he'd been to Silkworth before, but I can't quite remember. Okay. Because I feel like if it worked well for him before, people tend to go back to places where it worked well for them. I think that people start to build a narrative um, in that they feed off of the expectations of others. And so when uh when you start okay so i'll give like an analogy um person gets drunk or person becomes an addict right and they take that individual to hazelden they're in that treatment facility for 28 days they get out and everything's good for a year and then they relapse and they, their support system immediately brings them back and they go, okay, in 28 days, he'll be back to normal and hopefully we can go back to life as usual. But that person keeps relapsing. If they just keep oh. doing that pattern, yeah, 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 then that person can sense the irritation of their support system and the resentments that they start to, to build. Um, and so, uh, looking back, like I kind of see or saw that pattern when I look back on certain things, mm-hmm. is to like so the addict goes, "This is what we do." So I'm just gonna, you know, maybe I'll relapse again, maybe I won't, but they'll just send me right back here. And so when you get comfortable in that, oh yeah, I see what you're saying. It becomes a cycle. Yeah. And it almost, yeah, it becomes an excuse to use because you're like, yeah, my family will just send me back again. So yes, it'll be worth it for a couple nights of getting drunk and yeah, interesting. So I don't, yeah, I don't want to think of any one thing as like an answer. Yeah. Because then you do, you fall in that pattern of, because like exercise, we know what, what makes us healthy. Yeah. But you fall into the pattern of feeling like shit and then you say the next day, ugh, I feel like shit, I'm a fat piece of shit, thinking that something's going to change and then it doesn't. You could just be doing the thing. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I think you're always always supposed to to keep learning and uh, getting better. I, that group I joined on Facebook, it's constantly a learning thing. How often I, are you checking in? 
Well, the thing is, is like I think it's since it's a newer group I joined, the posts show up a lot more. Oh, okay. So it's like every third post is like, oh, they're sad. Like people that had just passed away. Oh, my loved one is in jail. Um, lots and lots of different posts about like. So it's it's sad because it's like lots of posts about people passing away, like recent. Um, people in jail. Lots of resent like angry loved ones yeah um lots of angry loved ones um lots of people in the middle like even addicts in the middle of the night like i'm really really struggling i feel like i want to use isn't there anyone that can talk to me so it's like this big (laughs) network of different people and it's hard reading through some of the posts because it's like oh my gosh like yeah i've considered like like um unfollowing it for a little bit just because it gets to be so much but then it's like this is real like i wish everyone was like everyone in in face on facebook could see the stuff on this group and know like it's out there like these loved ones like people are struggling and there's still such a i can't think of the word right now you're looking for stigma yes gosh there's such a stigma around chemically dependent people well, and I think that they, because of what's portrayed in the media. Yes, 100%. They Movie stars. There's a reason why they don't talk about the places that uh, the like celebrities go for uh, for treatment. Yeah. It's not um, because it's some like elitist thing. No. Like, I mean, you when your treatment facility you went to, Ozzy Osbourne went there, Robin Williams went there. Yeah, but like people use it as an excuse to be like, well, so what what even goes on there? It's just a retreat. They're just out vacationing away from everything. What's different? You did more in treatment than you do in a normal work day. Like you got up earlier and you had to do like basically homework all day. And then at five o'clock you had dinner and then you had visiting and then you had to go back and do more work. Mm hmm. So you being there and that was my, that was Sunday through Saturday, every single day. It was like, you had to put in all this work. It was like here you get up at seven forty-five, you go to work, but you get done at five and you have a break. But there it was like constant work. Yeah. But that's what I, I mean to say is that because there's uh like a behind the curtain kind of vibe yeah. to most treatment facilities, um, nobody, Every, all people can do is assume what yeah. what you actually do. And that when they see people take them back, and they, they see family members and friends accepting this person back, when the, as far as the other people are concerned, this guy or girl just went on vacation for, for 28 yeah. days. So there's like resentments, there's, and it's all stuff that like, you just have to go and do some research. I know. You can't expect people to just hand this shit to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the goal of our podcast is to kind of open people's yeah. eyes. Yeah. So we're hopefully making that easier for, for people. But for those who have like a shitty mentality toward, and it's not like, I don't know. Historically speaking, the cases that people see are really bad cases. They're not hearing as many of the like uh, success stories. 
they're more so seeing like the it ending in tragedy yeah yeah what else do you got um i'm still having people hit me up uh to help in like relationships and and things when it comes to addiction i i feel like we've said it on here a bunch but i'm gonna say it again because i don't know i just feel like it's not landing but we were lucky in that or i should say i was lucky in the support system that i had and that nobody felt that they had to leave but there are certain scenarios where if you stick around, it's going to make things worse for the addict. When people talk about rock bottom, they think that, like when you look in movies, it's like the guy who's in a home alone and he's looking at pictures and it's all this like self-reflective stuff mm-hmm. rather than actual consequence. And most of like real world rock bottom is literal like carnage. Like there are very, very like physical health, um, drunk, you know, drunk driving and and killing somebody or killing themselves. Financial stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, being nearly homeless. Like it's rock bottom is horrific. Yeah. It's really, really bad. So it's are not an idea. Reaching out to you, like, what do I do with my loved one in this situation? Or yeah, there's a couple of people, uh, like recently, who want the idea. Why am I not enough? Yeah, I see that a lot on that Facebook group. A lot. Yeah, and, and I know because I've, I've felt that same way. Like, why wasn't I? I had those nights too, like me and the kids are not enough. Like you have to have the substance. We're not enough. Yeah. And then you almost deplete your self-esteem and your confidence and all that. And you have to remind yourself, it's not you, it's that other person. And it's not that other person, it's the addiction. So it's not even you, it's the substance you're using. And it's not me. I mean, and I'm not like a perfect example of this because I have codependent issues so like saying sometimes you have to remove yourself from the equation uh, for that person to have the self-reflection that you want them to have like if you want them to answer the question of why am I not enough remove yourself from the equation and they'll have to do that math but that's easier said than none no I know I'm saying like I there's no way like I planned it out I tried to figure out how to leave it's not that easy, though. Yeah. I'm trying to say... Like, in their mind, remove yourself in your mind from this. No, no, no. I'm I'm, I'm trying to... Because there's a lot of unknown if somebody were to leave. Like, when they think about, if I leave, I'm the only thing that's keeping them alive right now. So what the fuck's going to happen if I leave? Yeah. I can't yeah. even imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm trying to do is, here's what happens when you leave. You leave, they have to, they literally have to do the self-reflective thing. Either they go like in this self-pity route and they're reaching out to you because they're angry 
or they're sad or whatever, um, when you've removed yourself and they and then they reach out, then you go, here's what I need to, to happen. And, yeah. and in a safe way, not in an ultimatum way, like the, these are the things that we can do to try and help get you better. But I also can't come back in until I know that yeah. we're all going to be safe. Go back to your when you were deep in your addiction, if I would have done that. I don't think you would have, you're, you wouldn't have done that. You wouldn't have cared, I think. If if you and the kids would have left, yeah. you think that I would not have cared? No, not that you wouldn't have cared, but I think that you would s- still not think you had a problem. Because you were so angry at me during that period of time, I think you would have thought it was me overreacting. I'm trying to, like... I threatened leaving quite a few times and you... Yeah, but it's probably because I I knew that you weren't going to. So that was my shit, like, uh, abusing your your good nature and calling your bluff and saying that you're going to stay, which is not great either. So if you're in that situation where you this person is calling or, like, yeah, abusing your good nature like it's all obviously always going to be easier said than done oh there are resources though for you to look into so instead of thinking that you have to be their superhero look into these resources for you because you can't educate yourself on all of these things and then expect that they're going to receive it so you need things that are going to like for your success. Yeah. Because it doesn't always pan out. Addicts don't always get sober. So you need to have these safety nets to make sure that if it doesn't go the way that you thought it was going to, that you're going to be okay. Yeah. That's the okay. point that I'm trying to get okay. across is like, you can only do so much. Yeah. And you need to, at the end of the day, take care of yourself. Yeah. And you can't consider yourself a failure because this stuff didn't go the way that you want it to. That's why I always say lucky. We're lucky. There are tons and tons and tons of examples where shit didn't pan out for people. But just like somebody dying of cancer, like there's only so much that you can do. You can be as supportive as possible, but what are you going to do when they're gone? Yeah. Or, and not that every addict dies, but like, I mean, um, we all die, but, um, not every, scenario is a an extremely happy ending mm-hmm. and even if they get sober you might have so many resentments from all of the shit that they put you through that you can't get over it yeah and you can't just assume that because they're sober you're going to be able to get over it because now everything's okay so look at those things that will enable you to be successful in your own happiness i like the way you worded all that yeah yeah because yeah. yeah like you said even if they even if that person gets sober. If you have all this resentment prior to it that you haven't worked through yourself, that it's not going to go away, which is hard. Yeah. Do you have any questions? Yeah. That's what I was just looking up. Hey everybody. It's Chris and Kim. And we're excited to tell you guys that if you go to modifytattoo.com, you can now get 15% off anything in their merch store uh, by using the promo code DuckDuckGrayDuke. 
hats, shirts, beanies, glasses, jewelry, even jewelry. You can get 15% off if you use that promo code DuckDuckGrayDuke. The promo code does not take off for tattoos and piercings, but please go support these guys. They're amazing artists. They do great, great work. Mm-hmm. I'm already figuring out what my next tattoo is going to be. I'm trying to finish both my arms. I'm excited. Keith is going to give me a sick neck tattoo, and I can't wait. Head to modifytattoo.com and book your session now for your tattoo or piercing. Located in Becker, Minnesota. Right off of Bank Street, right behind the bank. Enjoy the show. No new questions, but and I don't and I'm not trying to call people out either. No. In the in the same way that you're frustrated think about this. You're frustrated that you are offering so much to the addict in recovery in your or the addict in your life, not receiving the help that you want to give them. You gotta apply that shit to me too. If you're looking for help, I get that it's life or death. I get it. So take what I'm saying seriously. This isn't, none of this shit is easy. We, we say it all the time. Sobriety does not equal everything's all better. It just sets you up better to handle the things that life throws at you instead of drowning yourself in your addiction. I'm, I'm telling you things because I want you to be mentally prepared for whatever happens. Yeah. Not just for the happy ending story. Like you got to know that there are all kinds of happy ending. Sometimes people have. There are all kinds of scenarios that can play out. So you got to protect yourself. And so that's why I say these things is because I want you to have everything possible for those outcomes so that no matter what happens, you can be content in the in the sense that you you offered everything that you were able to offer yeah and then now you go okay i can't i can't jump or i can't drown in the waters with you yeah because then we're we're both one thing on the other side of things too what i want to say is like i while we're doing this podcast and i'm learning the things that you have felt and said about me to other people I develop new mini resentments that I have to constantly work through too. Oh, sure. So that's it's still a process for me where we're doing this podcast and you're vulnerable and you're telling. And then I hear like like our episode with Caitlin, these things, those, these ways you made me a villain in your head. And I like, then I get resentful. Like I support, I like, I did this, I did that. I did like name all these things. I was like, I thought I was a goddamn fucking trophy wife yeah and you made me this villain in your head so it's like listening to these episodes again and hearing the way you thought about me i get so like i get resentful for a little bit and then it's like i have to rework through that like yeah that was months ago and he obviously it wasn't him thinking like in his right mind it was his addiction underneath that was making him feel this way so it's like i have to constantly be like okay like it wasn't me like yeah. I was supporting, I was doing this, I was doing that, like whatever you wanted to do, I was there, I was supporting you and I didn't ask much. And then, so it's like you, yeah, taking care of yourself and I'm still working through a lot of things Yeah, because this, we're making ourselves so vulnerable doing this podcast because we're bringing up some really heavy shit. Yeah. 
And then it makes us have to rework through that again. It's like, um, what's that um, EB? Exposure therapy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where you like, <laughs> so that's what we're doing. Yeah. Essentially in this podcast is we talk about this heavy shit. And then later for like a week, oh, like when you post the episode, I'll listen to it. And then it's like, oh shit. That, yeah, that's right. He did feel that way about me. And then I have to rework through it all over again. And that's okay. It like, it helps me work through things. And I used to be that girlfriend that would be like, I know what you did six months ago on Tuesday. And I would bring it up forever, forever. And I'm working really hard. This is me working on that. You can't keep bringing that shit up because it's not, you can't move forward if you're bringing that back up. So work through it, move forward, and then it's gone. You put it in a box and it's gone. So... But who knows, man? We went through trauma. Who knows what shit could yeah. rear its ugly head? We're not safe from... No. We're, yeah, we're not invincible. <laughs> like, no. We're, just because we're able to talk about this shit now, sometimes talking about this shit is... I mean, it's it's a way for us to work through stuff, but like sometimes we're saying it and not like completely understanding it either. You know yeah. what I mean? So like with each episode, I think we learn a little bit more yeah and we understand a little bit more the the stuff that we've been through and how to hopefully do better the next uh the next episode or the next week or whatever yeah yeah but we're not perfect we're still working yeah and our like i said i think we when on caitlin's episode i talked about how people thought we were like this um oh goals yeah relationship goals and we obviously behind closed doors were the complete opposite of it yeah. and we had a lot of shit going on and we're still working through stuff now of course yeah so yeah yeah we're even you know, now like even now we're not perfect yeah like we're still working through things that have happened in our relationship and things in recovery and working with each other so i get why people think that though like I'm just kind of realizing we're on cameras, we're on microphones. We sound like professional people. This is like we sound just like any other podcast or any other radio show. Mm-hmm. Like it all sounds the same. So because of that, guys, it it seems like we're these like we're we're somehow different than other people. Yeah. And really, we just I, we were doing this shit before and since we had the equipment, we thought if if it helps us get through this stuff and helps people get through it by listening to it, by listening to somebody else say these things, then let's do it this way. Your treatment story is not going to be everyone's journey. Everyone has addiction has like mental health, like medications. Not one antidepressant works for everybody. Yeah. Not one antipsychotic works for everybody medication wise it's, it's it's the same as treatment one treatment's not going to work the same for everybody yeah so know that we don't have all the answers we're still working through this but we hope that we can give people like that stepping area where they can start to understand things yeah uh if you have questions or if you'd like to be featured on the show uh you can definitely email or you can just message us right on our our facebook page uh, Instagram, wherever, Duck Duck Gray Duke. And um, if you want to be anonymous, totally fine. Uh, if you just want us to read a, a question on the air, that's totally fine as well. Uh, but yeah, if you'd like to be on, let us know. 
And if, uh, if there's a topic that we haven't covered that you'd like to know more about. Yes, that's a good, yes. Different addiction that we haven't necessarily talked about. Oh yeah, the episode with Miranda, by the way, I think was was really good. I I learned a lot. I mean, she had told me some of that stuff before, but there was there's still a lot about it that's like very foreign to me. But that but that was like a real world example of addiction does not always mean substance. Yeah, it can be a different um, type. Yeah, yeah. Habits that you form. Yes. Like gambling. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Another yep. one of those things that like it can still grip you and make you just as rational as somebody who's under the influence mm-hmm. that the dopamine levels can be elevated the exact same way and, yeah. and cause you to think irrationally. Good way to put it. I agree. Yeah. Well, I love you. Love you. Thanks for being here. I'm here. I'm here all the time. <laughs> I'll be here again next week. Same place, same time. Alrighty, and with that, we will pass.